So when we have expectations, we're holding ourselves at arm distance from experience, let's say, from situations, people, feelings, thoughts. That distance holding requires energy, requires effort. And it's unnecessary effort because the distance itself is an illusion. The holding back and holding that out there so that I can analyze it, decide whether I trust it or don't trust it. All of that's an illusion ultimately, although it feels very real when we give it energy. Turns out it's wholly unnecessary. In fact, if you look closely enough, you'll see there's nothing that can hold back. There's nothing that can be projected out there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trick of the mind. So let's explore this mechanism of becoming a subject in our own world, our own experience, our own life our own spiritual journey and holding objects at a distance, objects meaning objects of experience, which are sounds, feelings, events, situations, pain, joy, happiness, We hold all these at a distance and then we convince ourselves we can manage them. Decide how to get more of this one and less of that one. But what is all this made of? All this pushing and pulling. Look at it here in this moment. Can you imagine anything outside of this moment? Any situation? Anything you want to be different than it is? So you just imagine it into being? Is there something there now that wasn't there a moment before I suggested that? Or is consciousness the substance of thought just moving, shifting, morphing? What does it feel like to push or pull? To accept or reject? Do we even have to accept? Or is that somehow extrapolated from rejection of experience? What is all that made out of in your experience right now? What is a doubt thought made of? A doubt thought that says, oh, I don't know about this. This doesn't make sense. Or, yeah, but I've I've had this, this problem with my meditation for days, weeks, months, years. I always get to this certain place or get stuck here. Invite that in. Look at that. What is that? What are we holding at a distance there? That belief. What is it made out of? Touch it. Feel it. Experience it. Find its inside and its outside. How much distance is there between you, the perceiver, and the belief itself? 
how can you even judge distance without imagining another self, another subject, someone standing apart from even that, which takes effort. But if that effort is introduced, what is even happening? What is the actual experience of this? Pulling back into the subject again and again, pulling back into the parent me apart again and again, pushing that out there so that I can wrestle with it, hold an opinion about it, get frustrated about it. But what is all this made of? Where is this if I'm not thinking about any of it? So the thinking, the thinkingness, the knowingness, the consciousness is all seamless. Meaning it can take apparent shapes and forms of beliefs and thoughts and experiences, people, places, events, and it can take no form at all just conscious. And it can actually, and it is actually doing both simultaneously. When there's a thought, there's also unbound consciousness. When there's no thought, there's also unbound consciousness. So which is primary? Consciousness or thought? Consciousness or belief? Now, consciousness in Buddhism is one of the five aggregates that make apparent experience possible. And as the Heart Sutra points out very clearly, even consciousness does not exist. But you'll never you'll never realize that. You'll never realize what the Heart Sutra points to as long as you're bound up in polarities inside consciousness. You have to see through the polarities created by subjectification, thinking, believing, pushing and pulling mostly inside of consciousness. Essentially all resistance, I'll, I'll say all resistance really, <laughs> um, occurs in consciousness. What we're resisting is thoughts and beliefs. You can't resist the unborn. You can't resist the unconditioned. There's nothing there to resist anything else. Nothing apart. There's no apartness, no distinctness, no objects, no subjects. So back to consciousness. Is there a boundary to consciousness? Consciousness meaning that which is aware right now. That which is reflecting internally. That, that which may be forming thoughts. Could be thoughts about 
doctrine or what I'm talking about or Buddhism or consciousness or awareness? If so, well, what is that? What are those thoughts made of? They're going to be gone in two minutes, five minutes. They're going to change, morph. Something doesn't change. The essence of that knowingness is still there. So that's where the juice is in the knowingness, consciousness. The thoughts may be about you, your, your narrative, some problems you've been having, something you're imagining, um, ways to deal with later. We don't need to villainize any of this. It's just the nature of thought. But it's very easy early on to overlook that those thoughts are made of this knowingness that's only here. It doesn't reach out into the future because the illusion of a future appears within it. It doesn't reach out to the past because the illusion of the past appears within it. <clears throat> it's very simple this meditation of unbound consciousness is to recognize the primariness. It's very simple, very neutral, but also has a refreshing quality. I don't want anyone to solidify that refreshing quality, but if it's not there, then you may be using an idea of consciousness as an object rather than really resting as that knowingness with no nothing to back up to. Because the whole concept of backs and fronts, pushing, pulling, coming and going, arise within this this consciousness. Has a has a freshness to it, a sort of freeing feeling, but it's not usually fireworks or anything. So it's a natural piece. Of course it's available at any time. Now if you've been around the spiritual block, some of the thoughts that come up here may be something like this. Oh, consciousness, does it equal emptiness? Does it equal awareness? Does it equal bodhicitta? Whatever, right? These are um, these labels, these comparisons. You could say their comparisons are judgments, but it's important to recognize here that they're thoughts. They're thoughts. And those thoughts only appear within this knowingness. There's nothing you're going to find out there called actual consciousness, bodhicitta, awareness. 
these are conceptualities we use as pointers in spirituality. You may think you know them, you may know them well, you may not know them at all, but all of those are textures of consciousness. Consciousness, if you finally just settle into it, is something you do know. Of course you know it. Because it's always there when there's anything, any thought, any thinking going on. Maybe you've had a life where you have almost never-ending doubt. There are people like that. I was like that, I think, until I was 24. You may have just a wall of doubt. But guess what's primary to the doubt and always there all the time? This consciousness. Doubt is a, is a form of thought. It may become almost precognitive because it's so repetitive and we may even repress it or push it away. But even that pushing and pulling within consciousness is made of consciousness or it's what happens when we introduce personal will within consciousness. We very quickly start stirring the pot and there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of identification with thoughts. But all of it, all of it, the identification, the pushing, the pulling, the thoughts, the doubt, the preconceptual, the conceptual, it's all secondary to the knowingness. The knowingness that you don't have to find, you don't have to remember, even remembering and finding are thoughts arising here. So when this becomes clear, it doesn't have to become crystal clear necessarily, but instinctually clear, then there's a, this part you can just disregard if it's, if it gets your mind going, but of course, resting here is enough, more than enough. But I'll make a contrast. Whereas before, when identification is ongoing, there's a uh, there's will introduced. There's pushing and pulling inside that experience. But it doesn't look like I'm pushing and pulling in consciousness. It it looks like I'm struggling with my own life, right? It doesn't feel like this conscious space. It feels like your actual life, where the way you're imagining it, and so forth, right? That's identification. So, um. That is really caused by a, a simple and innocent misunderstanding about how to apply will or that you need to apply will here. Once this is clarified somewhat, this primariness of consciousness or knowingness, then rather than introducing will, it becomes a sort of spontaneous exploration 
not to learn anything or gain anything. And it's not an exploration through thinking or concept. This is why I say, hold this lightly if it's getting you thinking. But rather, it's a spontaneous exploration that just, just, just occurs. It moves in every direction, in a sense, within and without. It's undifferentiated experience or undifferentiated thought, perhaps. And it could start to feel quite oceanic. Like no part of experience is apart from you at all. No part of experience is more distant from any other part of experience than anything, than you, than the thought, than the space, that the thought seems to arise. All of that just kind of melts together. And as long as you have some regard, intuitive regard for that, neutrality of consciousness, then there's just a sort of natural, easeful exploration that takes place. People use words to describe it like expansive or oceanic, but I don't want to use words here because this isn't about labels. It's perhaps about clarifying the primacy of this experience, of this knowingness. Not an experience. It's the experience and the experiencer ultimately are thoughts. So I don't want to label it, but it, it it's primary. Any, even the most subtle inflection, um, judgment, curiosity, anticipation, hesitation, even in their most subtle forms, all of those are just, just thoughts, little waves arising and falling in the ocean of consciousness. And as I've mentioned previously, there is a sort of quality of alertness here, but it's a very relaxed alertness, such that nothing is really missed. Whenever or wherever any thought form arises, stirs, it's already known, it's already incorporated fully within the knowingness. So then no will is introduced and it doesn't become anything 
really. No, we may have a tendency to assume and assumptions are often what sneak up as beliefs and thoughts and so forth. We may have a, a tendency to assume in this space that it should be peaceful, slowly moving, calm. And it often is. However, it can also be a bit turbulent or a lot turbulent. But if we stay with the knowing of that primacy of consciousness, we honor that. Then even some turbulent thought stuff never really leaves the totality of consciousness, but you're aware of it. Something just feels like it's moving bubbling a little more energetic it's okay it won't turn into some fully formed thought or belief as long as we keep our instinct with that knowingness that encompasses all all turbulence and all stillness. So no expectations need to be applied here. 